morning. So thank you very much. Hope to be a help. Ain't it good to be in God's house? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It is so good to be in God's house. You know, we're not better than anybody. Listen to me, church. We're not better than anybody. Y'all get that? Listen, we should be, on a Sunday morning, we should be at home hungover. Do you understand? We, we should be at home uh, living in our sin, drug addicted, man, broken homes away. And many of us have experienced much of that. Many our lives through parents or maybe even through our own lives, through some of our choices. Man, we, we know what it is for sin to touch our lives and to rattle our homes many times. But how about this? On a Sunday morning, we landed in God's house. God is so good to us. And I am glad to be here today. I mean that with all of my heart. I should not be here, but God has, has privileged us. And so my wife back here, we have eight children. And uh, do I have all my kids here today? Yes, I do. Do you all want to stand up or no? No, they said no. They don't want to stand up. So my kids are all mixed in in here. Some are my kids, some are not. I don't even know who all. My, this guy right here could be my kid. I'm not sure. So there you go. There you go. There's my family. So they're, they're floating around here. That's a much better picture, by the way. So thank you very much. So. Uh, all right, here we go. John chapter 4. Let's look at verse 1. I'm going to read a number of verses this morning, so please stay with me. Uh, and so I want to set the legwork, and I promise you, uh, a lot of times I know that it's easy that as the preacher reads a number of verses, we kind of tune out. But can I just be real straight with you? The most important thing that I will do in this pulpit over the next 30 minutes or so is read these Bible verses. This has the power to change lives. And God has recorded this story. And so I want you to focus in. I'll give you a couple of points and hope to help you. I don't take this lightly this morning. I really mean that. So we'll read some verses and I want you to stay with me here. And then I'll pray as well. Look at verse 1. When therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples than John. Though Jesus himself baptized not. But his disciples, he left Judea and departed again unto Galilee, into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. What a verse. It's worth preaching on. No doubt you've heard preaching on it. It sets the legwork a little bit. But he loved, there was a woman there that he loved, just like he loves you and I. He went out of his way for this Samaritan woman. Look at verse 5. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria that is called Sychar, near the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. Isn't that amazing? Look at me. I just could preach so much out of these verses. Isn't it amazing that the King of kings and Lord of lords, there in that verse, was tired and weary? Yes, sir. Listen to me. God understands what you go through. Let me say that again. God understands what it is to be physically exhausted. God understands what it is. He doesn't just sit up on his great throne. And God in his infinite mind, do you understand? God could in his infinite mind. He created every bit about your being. He knows what nerve endings are. He knows what cells are. He knows, and he could say this, I created those and I understand what it is to hurt. Meaning, in my mind, I created them. I know what it is to have pain. And I know what it is to be tired because I put that in your body for this reason or that reason. Watch this. Not only does he understand in his infinite mind, but can I tell you, God himself in the form of flesh by 
through the body of Jesus Christ. He walked this earth. He knows what pain is. He knows what being tired is. He knows what being physically exhausted. Watch this. He knows what it is to just feel like I don't want to go on. What do you think it was like being in the Garden of Gethsemane? They're just about to go to the cross. What that pain was, what that agony was, what that emotional turmoil. Some of you in here this morning, you say this. I'm an emotional wreck. Jesus knows what it is to be an emotional wreck. Here we are in the middle of this verse, and it says, being wearied with his journey. I praise the Lord. God understands. Listen, Jesus understands exactly what it is to live this life and its trials. What a God. That was free. I wouldn't even stop there. How do y'all like that? Look at verse 7. <laughs> there cometh a woman of Samaria to draw water. Jesus saith unto her, give me to drink. For his disciples were gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, asketh drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God, and who it is that saith that he give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would give thee, watch this, living water. Now you've got to understand, this woman, this woman has spent her life living for self. And all of it has left her empty. When he spoke about living water, this woman is coming to this well at this time of day. There's some debate on whether it was not at noon, depending on which clock that you're kind of looking at. I'm not going to dive into that too deep this morning, whether it was at noon or whether it was at six o'clock in the afternoon. But she's coming and she's all alone. Can I tell you why she's not coming when the ladies usually come? The ladies would come in the morning and they would come and gather water for their uh, to prepare their meals for the day and, and to help water the, the animals and whatnot. The ladies would come at certain times. This lady was coming alone. She didn't want to be around those ladies. All of those ladies in the town, they look down on her. Why? Well, let's read on and you'll see. Jesus says, but I give you living water. The woman saith unto him, sir, thou hast nothing to draw with. And the well is deep from whence uh, then hast thou this, that living water. Art thou greater than our father Jacob? The answer to that is yes. Art thou greater than the, our father Jacob, which give us the well and drank thereof himself and his children and his cattle? Verse 13. Jesus, Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water, pointing at the well, whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But no one satisfies like Jesus. Amen. Look at verse 14. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him as a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, she's starting to pick up, she's, she says, Sir, I want that water. Sir, give me some of that water. I, I'm thirsty. She's picking up on. He's not talking about just a sip of cool water anymore. Listen to me. Now he's moved into life illustrations. Now he's talking about being thirsty for more. He's talking about a thirst that makes you party hard on Friday and wake up Saturday morning feeling guilty, feeling worn out, feeling like used and abused. And that same crowd that wanted to hang out with you when you're not providing the liquor anymore when you're not doing things that they want physically when you're not when you have no more use to them let me tell you what you find yourself the next day crawling out of bed wishing you had done things different wishing something had made you happy and let me tell you what now she's realizing we ain't talking about water we're talking about living and god was doing something in this woman and she had never lived like this man was saying she could live life left her empty 
Life left her thirsty, just like the world always does. Verse 15, the woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. I don't know how to get this water. I, I, I want that water. And Jesus saith unto her, Go, call thy husband, and come hither. You know, God's got this way. Jesus has this way of getting to the point. Verse 17, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Jesus saith unto her, Thou hast said well. I have no husband. You're right. Look at verse 18. For thou hast had five husbands, and he whom thou now hast is not thy husband. And that thou say, in that saith thou truly. The woman saith unto him, Sir, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Three more verses. Go to verse 28. A lot more there, and I can't read. Verse 29. Look, verse, yeah, go to verse 28. Let's go there. The woman then left her water pot. Jesus has now revealed himself, saying, I am the Savior. She brings it up, verse 26. I that speak unto thee am he. He declares himself to this Samaritan woman. Verse 28. And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city. Saith to the men. Now, I, I find that so interesting. And saith to the men, come see a man which told me all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came. Unto him. Lord, I pray that you'd help me now. God, I praise the Lord. There are some things that we can leave behind when we turn our lives over to you, God. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, I don't want to do this wrong. I don't want to say one off word. Would you please help me now? Lord, as I preach this, I'm trusting you. I feel weak in this message, Lord. You know my heart. That's not a false humility. God, I've wrestled with this a little bit this morning. And I pray that you would just help me. Fill me with your power, God. I thank you that all these things are worth leaving behind for that living water. There's nothing like living our lives for you, God. And may I encourage your people today. I love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let me point out a couple of things here by way of introduction. I'll get you a couple of points here. And uh, you pray for me. I want to try to encourage you this morning, church. Because God has a plan for each and every one of us. And I want you to know, outside of living for God, there is nothing greater. There is nothing greater than being in the will of God for our lives. Let me point out a couple of things this morning. First of all, I see a racial divide. I want you to understand this, is that the Jews and the Samaritans, they have no dealings with one another. And if you know much about this story, then you do realize that. And that is that the Jews looked down on the Samaritans. They were a half-breed crowd. They were left behind from a previous king. And, and really the Jews did not do much. So the fact that Jesus Christ was now spending time with this Samaritan woman was, was pretty amazing. Now, now let me make this very clear. In 2020, we went through a number of different problems in our nation. And we know that. And one of the things, not just COVID, but we saw quite a racial divide in our nation. Well, can I just say this this morning? You listen to me carefully. When it comes to God, there is zero racial divide. There's none. God cares about the low life. God cares about the rich man. God cares about the black. God cares about the white. God cares about everyone that lives on all seven continents across this world. There is zero racial divide. Listen to me. When it comes to heaven, when it comes to things of Christ, can I tell you what our take needs to be on it? It doesn't matter who they are, which side of the tracks they live. doesn't matter if they're riding in on a church van or they're driving in on a $75,000 car. It doesn't matter at all. When it comes to the church, when it comes to Christ, oh, it's a level 
playing field. We're all the same. And when Jesus Christ stepped up to this Samaritan woman, she said, hey, you got something wrong. And Jesus said this, I ain't got nothing wrong. You matter to me like anybody else matters to me. And when it comes to God, you don't have to be a preacher in Honeybrook, Pennsylvania. You don't have to live in the right place. You don't have to have the right occupation. It doesn't matter at all. God just loves you no matter who you are. There's no racial divide when it comes to God. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Listen to me, it ain't bus kids. It's not church attendees. It's not those that have a local membership. It's just people that God loves. That's all that it is. There's no racial divide when it comes to God. Not only is there not a, a racial divide, but listen, let me also point out about this. There was a gifted history. Listen to me very carefully. They are gathering around Jacob's well. Jacob dug that well years ago. Jacob had no idea. Brother, listen to me. They, they, Jacob had no idea that when he dug that well, that all those years later, it would be Christ that came by and visited that place. Can I tell you what? I appreciate men and women that did things in previous years, did yes, things sir. that they had no idea that later in life I would be thirsty. Later in life I would be looking for Christ. And I am so glad that I was able to show up at a church. I was so glad that there was a youth pastor and there was pastors and there were preachers and someone that loved God enough to say, I'm going to live God for, for God today because down the road, I know it's going to pay off in somebody else's life. You know what that was? That was a gifted history. Oh, there was a racial divide, but I thank God for that well. A well that when Jesus himself, he was tired, he was weary from his journey, he came by to this well. But not just Jesus, this woman was able to come. I see a gifted history, but I love this part. Let me tell you what the most important part about this well, and at this point for this woman, is there is, you listen to me carefully, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter what your past is. It doesn't matter what you fall prey to. It doesn't matter what addiction you've developed. Can I tell you what? There is an all-forgiving Savior. Yes, sir. There is an all-forgiving Savior. Not one of us have figured out how to live every day perfectly. Do you understand me? Church, listen to me. You may be beat down by your sin. You may be beat down by your past. You may have made mistakes with your children. You may have made mistakes in your career. You may have made mistakes in your marriage. You may have made mistake after mistake after mistake. Can I tell you what? God forgives all things. Listen to me, church. It does not matter what we have fallen into. God can get us out of it. Yes, sir. That's God. Man, I love it. Listen to me, when my life was a disaster, boy, was it ever. When my life was a mess, and man, I can't even describe to you what my life was in my late teen years. I can't, even, I can't even tell you how close I was to blowing it off. But can I tell you what? The moment, the moment that I said, God, would you forgive me for those things? God, I'm sorry for those things I've done. Do you know what he said? Forgiven. That's what he said. Listen to me, I'm here to tell you, is she left behind a past at this moment as she drops that bucket? That bucket, she wasn't worried about, listen to me, she walked away from that bucket. She wasn't worried about that, that earthly water anymore. She was focused on a heavenly drink. She had gotten it that day. She was stirred up. She was excited. A matter of fact, she was so excited, and this is what it should be, Christian. 
we should leave here today stirred. We should leave here touched. We should leave this place ready to go out and attack Honeybrook, Pennsylvania for God. We should get back into our workplaces tomorrow ready to tell people about Jesus. Our talk should be different. Our, the way we react to things should be different. What we look at should be different. Around the water cooler should be different. Whatever we're doing should be different. Why? Because there's an all-forgiven Savior. He forgave me, and he can forgive anybody. Listen to me, they ain't got, listen to me. This world ain't got living water. They ain't got it. Matter of fact, everything that they do makes them more thirsty for more. I've got to do something else. Man, I've got to get into something else. I've got to find this new. Man, I've been married two, three, four times. But man, I just, I'm going to try it this time. That was her take. Yours may not be divorce. It could have been divorce. I don't know your situation. It may not be divorce. But her situation was just she could never find enough pleasure. She could never find enough satisfaction. There was never enough for her. So she tried one relationship and then another relationship and another relationship. She always came up thirsty. So can I tell you what? She fixed it. Let me give you three things she left behind. First things is this. Let me tell you what. There's not a person in here that cannot and probably will not fall prey to all three of these in their lives at some point. You know what she left behind? Stirred up and excited to meet the Savior. She left behind this. Personal pursuits. Can I tell you what? I'm telling you, I don't know what, what is it's going to cost you to walk away from God. I don't know what your personal pursuits are. Man, as I talk to young people and we, my wife and I deal with young people, we're talking about 17 and 18 year olds that man are about to step off into their college years. The 17 and 18 year olds that we're dealing with that are about to make huge decisions about universities and colleges and community colleges and careers and certifications and all these different things. And as I am, as I'm praying with these young people, I just tell them, listen to me, pursue what God has for you. Pursue what God has for you. Because anything outside of God's will, man, you'll, you'll come up thirsty every single time. You will not find what God has for your life. You will not find pleasure in those things. What I'm here to tell you is this. Personal pursuits persuade you to walk away from the things of God. And I think young people a lot of times, listen to me, do you know from about, the, from 18, for the next 9, 10 years, what a young person, what a young adult, the decisions that a young adult makes? Many of them, man, they, they, they figure out what career they're going to by making college decisions. They decide who they're going to marry. Many of them develop addictions and all kinds of issues. They blow that in their first 9, 10 years of adulthood. Debt that they pile on. Getting into careers they hate. And let me tell you what, this woman right here, it was all about personal pursuits. How in the world, Brother Jason, I don't want to do that. Then listen to me, live for God. Brother Jason, I don't just want to pursue my thing. I want to pursue God's thing for my life. Then here's what I'm to tell you. His word is a lamp unto my feet. Listen to me. Listen to me very carefully. It is not hard. God has given us his word. If we will obey his word. What I love about this, hey, young men, you want to marry the right young lady? There's Proverbs 31 in the Bible. Well, like, how does this show me? How, how is this a lamp unto my feet? Listen to me. This will tell you, young men, this will show you exactly how to live for God. Yes. Young ladies, this will show you how to live for God. Yes, sir. I'm going to get in your business for a minute. Can I, young adults, is that all right? 
Is that okay? You older adults like, yes, yes, get in their business, get in their business. <laughs> you may not agree with what I'm about to say, and that's all right. You're wrong, I'm right. No, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. <laughs> I may be wrong. But I was going to a college, a Christian college in Lynchburg, Virginia. We had times we had to be in the dorm. I had to sign out if I was spending the night at places. I had to tell my RA in the, in the dorm there, that was the guy who was overseeing our floor, I had to tell him where I was spending the night. There was no young ladies on our halls. They were in a different dorm. Christian college, much, much stricter rules. I got a phone call from a young lady that grew up in our town. Didn't even have lost track of her. She said, hey, I'm going to a college in the same town. I said, all right. She said, Lynchburg College. I said, well, well me and my buddy Brad were there. Hey, I said, man, we'll come over and we'll, uh, we'll hang out with you one night. Dude, let me, let me tell you what. This was, this, was, this was a lot of years ago. I would have to do some math. 23. Man, I'm 42. I'm old now. I'm so sorry if you're over 42. You're not old. I'm old. I just attacked half of the crowd in here. All right. I'm 42 years young. How's that sound? So, brother, are you in that ballpark, 42? A little bit older. Okay, let's move on from the age because I'm just embarrassing myself, all right? Church is back there going, move along, move along. But can I tell you what? We showed up to that college campus. I might have been there 90 minutes, hour and a half, maybe. Let me tell you what. Them dorm floors, girls and guys just running around, man, making plans, even me just being there for a few minutes, man, the alcohol, the, the partying and all that. My brother went to a secular college. You know, I'm, I mean, I'm calling universities right now, so I'm sorry. I'm not trying to offend. He went to UVA, University of Virginia, huge party college, huge party college. Young adults, can I just, you, you listen to me carefully. You later, teenagers and whatnot, you don't need to put yourself in an environment like that. Amen. Do you follow me on that? You don't need to be in a dorm like that is what I'm telling you. Now, I'm not, I'm not trying to get in your business. You pray about where God wants you. But what I'm just letting you know is you should not. Lot found himself. Lot looked and said, you know what? The fields are good. It was all about the appearance. The fields are good like this. Man, you know what? That's going to benefit me down the road. I'll probably make a bunch of money. This wasn't about. He had Uncle Abraham. That Uncle Abraham was a man of God. And Uncle Abraham, if he would have stayed close to him, watch. When you find someone who's running off of the blessings of God in life, stay close to them. You'll get in on those blessings. But rather than that, he went to Sodom and Gomorrah. It cost him his wife. Listen to me. He ends up in a crazy relationship with his two daughters. And it was all based off of, I think that's a good idea. Pursue God. And as wicked as this world is getting, it makes us, uh, watch, it makes it a lot easier for us to make decisions. Why? Don't drop yourself in the middle of a wicked environment. It'll wear you down just like it wore down Lot. That, watch, just man, the Bible called him. He was a good guy. In the wrong place. And I'm saying it real plain this morning. It cost him. Why? Personal pursuits. It wasn't what God wanted. It was about him. I make a whole bunch of money over there. It looks good. Wait a minute. Those are some of the most wicked people. Those are some of the most wicked people in the place. You're just going to put yourself there. Yeah, I'll, I'll do fine. It'll be all right. It'll be fine. It wasn't fine. Matter of fact, if I kept going... 
The crazy relationship he ended up in with his daughters ended up having a couple of kids with his daughters. And those ended up being a breed of people that attacked the people of God in all things that were godly. Be careful. Personal pursuits. She left that behind. She, was, she had found out that was so empty. I'm just about done this morning. I'm trying to be guarded on our time. It's noon. I'll have you at the restaurant in 15 minutes. We good with that? Is that all right? Listen to me. Not just personal pursuits, but listen to this. Seldom satisfactions. You know, you're going to find... Hey, hey, listen, if I attack hanging out on Friday night, listen to me, church. If I attack hanging out on Friday night, you'll have some fun for those couple of hours, but you'll find out what it is the next day. There's a little, listen to me, there is a little bit of that pleasure that's in that. But, man, you ain't going to find satisfaction in that. Can I tell you where me and my wife find satisfaction? Being in a meeting this week with hundreds and hundreds of people. And having my children in the middle of those services stand up in the middle of the crowd. Teenagers are shy. Teenagers don't ever want people looking at them. No, nothing. You know what? My teenagers are the same way. They don't, they don't like that attention. But let me tell you what. Watching some of my sons stand up in the middle of those services when God's moving. In front of hundreds of people with their hands raised. Shouting, amen. Can I tell you what that is? That is satisfaction. God worked on my heart in a number of those services. And I'd get up on this altar. My son Nick sitting on the front row here. Nick, all of a sudden, I'd feel his hand come on my back. And he's left his pew. And daddy's down on that altar. And Dr. David Gibbs pre preached on, have faith in God. And all week long, man, I've just kept saying, have faith in God. Have faith in God. That message touched my heart. I'm on that altar at Brother Charlie's church at Solid Rock. That church. And man, can I tell you what brought satisfaction? You know what brings me satisfaction in my life? Well, my boy Nick comes up behind my back, and I feel his hand, and he's praying for his daddy on the altar. Oh, oh, man, man, man. There's no regret in that. Oh, no. Listen to me. There, there's a satisfaction in that. There's a blessing in that that I'm letting you know. You do this. You've got to understand this life will leave you empty. You will not find satisfaction in what this world has. I got it. But God's got a living water that will spring up inside of you that is so worth it. You know what she did? She walked away and she left behind. She left behind those personal pursuits. and She left behind. Those seldom, very seldom satisfactions, man. She was always pursuing them, but never satisfied. And last thing is this. Brother Pope, do you have somebody who played the piano? Is that all right? Please. Last thing is this. Last point is this. I'm just about done. She left behind. Oh, you listen to me carefully. Don't lose your church. She left behind a wasted way of living. Look, church, we got one life to live. That's it. We got one life to live. You will not come back as a cow later on. Does everybody understand that? All right? You may want to, but it's going to happen. You've only got one life to live for God. That's it. What I'm here to tell you is this I'm here to tell you she's wasting her life. Wasting her life. She decided, you know what? I've spent so many days wasted. Go ahead, sister, when you're ready. She decided, I've spent so many days wasted that today matters. And I'm going to live for God now. 
You know what's amazing? I don't know if you'll find this. I find this awesome, just to be honest with you. Do you know that they compared this young lady's ministry? She's not in the Bible. By the way, she's not pointed out in the rest of the Bible. She's not in here. But I love finding out what happened to these lives. It's told, her story is told that her ministry, you ready for this? Her ministry is compared to having the impact of the same as what the apostles had. She went out and spread the gospel about Jesus Christ so much. They say in history, oh, we hear about the 12, we hear about what goes on in Acts, but let me tell you what, there were countless Christians that lived for God and had such an impact. Last year in 2020, I was going through a number of books, and I went through uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs, name after name of people who gave their life, gave their life to live for God. She was one of them. They compared her ministry to the ministry of what the apostles did. She told so many people about Christ. Nero, if you know anything about Nero, he hated Christians. He was a wicked ruler in these days. Nero got word about her, and Nero, he would, when he would find out who Christians were, he would kill them. He'd say, you're live for God, and he would torture them. He got a hold of this lady. And she stood before Nero, and Nero said, denounce your, your faith in Jesus Christ. She said, I will not do it. He said, then you will be tortured, and you will die. And Nero sentenced her to be tortured and to die. You ready for this? They tortured her. Do you know this woman that talked about living water for the rest of her life? Nero thought he had her. Do you know how he killed her? He had her while she was alive after she had been tortured. Nero took her to an empty well, threw her down in it, and killed her. He said, you want to talk about that water? There's none in this. You die. And she hit that ground. And can I tell you what? She lived every day with that well spring under her. He couldn't steal that from her. She died that day in the bottom of that well. Broken body. He may have broke her body. But he couldn't do nothing for her soul. She had trusted Jesus Christ. And she had lived every day the rest of her life. Telling people about a man. Who filled a thirst in her. That no one else could. Listen to me Christians. Let's not waste our life. On anything. On anything. Let's live for God. Man, we, we have got to church. You listen to me carefully. We have got to live for God. These are such... These are days where Christianity, the church, man, the church was supposed to reach the world. And now when you look at the church, it looks like the world reached the church. But let me tell you what. She decided, I'm not going to waste this life. I'm going to live it for God. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Church, listen to me. The world needs us to live for God. The church needs, listen to me, the world needs the church to live for God. Not empty pursuits. Listen to me, not, not chasing our own satisfactions. Not living a wasted life. But living it for God. And this morning I encourage you, this morning I encourage you, listen to me, if there are pursuits, 
in this life where, man, you are trying to live for God. Young person, you listen to me carefully. If in your life, man, you've decided, I'm going to do my own thing. Or listen to me, maybe you haven't verbalized those words. But you'd say this. My actions, my actions have been that direction. Oh, listen to me, church. Let's pick back up. Lord, I do love you. God, I don't know the needs in this place. God, but you do. Lord, I thank you for stories like the woman at the well. God, you'll take anybody. You took me. You took her. God, you just love people. And I thank you so much this morning, Lord. And I pray if there's one in the sound of my voice this morning, and they'd say, you know, I, I, I've lived for self or I haven't been satisfied. I, 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 I've, I've just desired other things. Lord, I pray that you touch their heart this morning. God, and that you'd encourage them. We love you and praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Brother Pope. Oh, to Jesus. Everybody stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Remember in the beginning of the service, I said, well, could we do this one thing? Every, every head bowed, every eye closed. Just, just for some privacy for the people. We said, Lord, let, let's just pray this one thing. Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, speak to my heart. I believe that when we pray and we ask God those things, if you heard him this morning, he speak to your heart. This, this isn't necessarily a message for the lost person. This, is, this isn't just for the one that just got saved. This isn't just for the one that's started living for God or the one that's been living for the Lord. This is for all. This message was for you this morning. If the Lord spoke to your heart, say, Preacher, I think I just want to come and get on the altar. Give it to the Lord. I think I just want to go to the well. I'm tired of being thirsty. Would you come this morning? If the Lord spoke to your heart, why don't you come this morning? Some are coming right now. They're getting on the altar. Ha! Would you come this morning? Say, I heard the Holy Ghost of God speak to my heart. I just want to talk with God a little bit. Father, speak to our hearts. Lord, we love you. Oh, Lord, we want to serve you. Lord, we want to be satisfied with who you are and what you've done for us. Father, please bless us this morning. There may be one here this morning that says, I've heard that gospel story so many times. I know who Jesus is. I've heard about the cross at Calvary. What's going on in my life, preacher? Have you surrendered at the cross? Have you, have you said, gotten on my knees and asked Jesus? Preacher, have they gotten on their knees? Have they, have they prayed and asked Jesus Christ to be the Lord, Savior of their life? I surrender Oh God Speak to our hearts Lord Help us to yield to you I thank you for your blessings And thank you for your goodness Lord. Thank you Father for saving me Lord save the lost this morning They might come In Jesus name do I pray Ha <laughs> ha